Hey guys, my name is Lexi Naomi, but you can call me Lexi, and I am your host, your girl, your bigger little sister, your friend, your confidant, or whatever you would like to call me. If it's your first time listening, hello, hi, glad you're here. If it's not your first time, welcome back. Um, this episode is going to be a bit deeper than the last. I'm going to warn you that it will talk about some very sensitive subjects, including sexual assault topics and unhealthy relationships. So if you're sensitive to those topics, I would advise listening at a later time or listening with a trusted friend. Um, So before we get started, I wanted to ask that you follow the podcast on Instagram at journaled.podcast. That is where you will get all the latest journaled out loud updates and join in on some fun conversations. So today I'm going to be talking about a topic that I have discussed in a plethora of ways before now, but this entire podcast is going to be about the things we would rather journal, the things we would keep between Jesus and ourselves. And I don't know about you, but I know when I am writing in my journal, I give a lot more detail in my writing than I would with maybe another person. Now, obviously, I'm not going to share scripts of conversation, so naturally, Some details will be left out, but we're really going to get into some things that people may not be as willing to discuss. So for right now, um, I'm going to talk about what this month means to me. Now, it's an anniversary of sorts. Um, Not the best one. It's the anniversary of possibly one of the most damaging years of my life. So... Every April, I'm typically reminded of that, and I'm the type of person that's kind of hyper-nostalgic in a way. Like, certain smells and seasons and music, among so many other things, can trigger a lot of memories for me. Now, it's April, so the weather is starting to warm up a bit, new seasons are coming, summer plans are being put in place. The vibe kind of reminds me of April of 2014. Now, this was eight years ago. And I had just gotten in contact or like gotten connected with someone. And from that connection, our relationship really wrecked my life from the inside out. It was an inappropriate relationship and it messed with my family relationships, my friendships, and it wore me down mentally and emotionally. Now, through it all, I've learned a lot, but I'm also still healing from a lot of it, too. Um, But if if you've been a Christian for, you know, a a while, you know that the symbolization of numbers means a lot in the Christian faith. So, like, five is the number of grace, and seven is the number of um, completion. And I'm not into angel numbers where it's like 333 and 222 means anything to me, but... I do believe that there's symbols and numbers, and since this was eight years ago, I believe this is just a a year of new beginnings from this situation specifically. Um, Now, this story is typically, like, really hard to tell because um, I talk about it from my point of view, but it also exposes a lot about me as well. Um... I've specifically shared more of this story with my Uncle Los, who is really one of my favorite people in the world, and also I've shared some things with my sister in Christ, Kita, love you girl, but talking through the depth of this situation with them has really gotten me to a point where 
I can talk about it with you guys now. So I met this guy on Instagram back when giving TBHs were really big and I'm not sure who left the TBH on whose profile, but eventually it led us to exchanging phone numbers and talking on the phone that day. And I was, I specifically remember that I was watching some action movie that I was really into and I don't really like action. So I guess that's what I remember. That's why I remember it so well, but I was watching some action movie and the guy was playing a video video game with his roommate. And after talking for a while, he eventually asked me how old I was. And when I said I was 16, he was audibly taken aback and he said he was 21. So I thought that it would be the first and last time I talked to this guy, but apparently he dated someone not too much older than me. So he was okay with it, which should have been red flags on both of our parts, but whatever, you live and you learn, right? Um, not even after two full days of talking, I was posed with the question, what are we? Now, y'all know what that means, but I was only 16 and I had just turned 16, like the previous November. So I'd never been asked this question before. And this was just after my parents had given me the A-OK to date because I wasn't allowed to date before then. So he poses this question and... I told him what I thought that meant he wanted me to say and I said I guess my boyfriend or something along those lines and he he was like yeah okay and it was that was just that and at that point we'd only been talking for a couple of days and I remember the next morning being in my high school library working on a English assignment and trying to figure out a way to tell my mom that I was dating this new guy and he was 21 years old And I conjured up some story about how long we've been together and I don't remember the details of what I told her, but my mom was just so appalled when I told her that night um, after getting home from school, but she she didn't freak out. She was just processing and you could tell that she was processing, but it was also clear that she didn't agree with the situation, but I kept dating him anyway. Um... So the day that we actually met face to face was maybe two weeks later, about two weeks later, maybe a little less. And it was actually the day of one of my debutante events because I was a debutante. Um, But also a day where my church basically brought out a theater room to watch the movie Heaven is for Real because it was around Easter and it was just fitting. And they passed out some free tickets on the streets and for the tickets that were left over, you could sign up to get them. And the guy got tickets for himself, his mom and his brother. And that was the first day he met my parents as well. And we were personally just happy to be together. And even through the awkwardness and the nervousness, like we were just happy to be together. Eventually, after all of this, my parents made it very clear that they did not approve of this relationship and that I could not date him. My mom was a little more willing to be like, eh, y'all could be acquainted, like y'all could be cool, but my dad didn't want him in my life at all and I still dated him. So the type of relationship that followed was an extremely unhealthy one. He was going through my, he was going to my church at the time It was still around, but we acted like we were just friends for adults, basically. We would pretend that, oh, no, he's just my friend. 
And even in that, he would kind of start pulling me away from my family and like he he made it seem like it's us against them it's us against the world type thing and he would tell me all the laws about the age of consent in my state and how my parents couldn't do anything legally if we wanted to be together and he would tell me all these things and then we would argue all the time and he would belittle me because of my age and be like oh you're too young to understand that type of thing and he would say I was so mature and that's why he could be with me and then tell me I didn't know something because of my age. He was very controlling about the guys I talked to and, you know, would delete people off my Instagram if I thanked them for giving me compliments or if I talked to them too much. Like, he would get mad at me and would have the urge to tell me he hoped something bad happened to me. And one of those times he told me, I would say, I hope you get sexually assaulted, but I'm not going to say that. And I had never heard someone say something that dark to me before, but yet I still stayed with him because this was my first experience in a relationship. And I felt like this is what you do in a relationship. You fight and work things out because that's what true love is. That was my, my viewpoint. And even though I felt this way, to be very honest, he was still cheating on me even during that. So, and he did that several times, but I still stayed. So one night I got into it. This was about, this was in June. So a couple of months after we're, you know, sneaking around dating, talking on the phone, past my phone, phone curfew, all that. Um, I got into it with my mom. Like we had, we were bickering and I decided that I was going to run away from home. And I told him that I was going to run away, but it was late at night. So he said that he was going to come get me. So I packed a bag and I ran, ran out of my house at about one or two in the morning while everyone was asleep and ran to my the front of my neighborhood where he was waiting for me. But y'all, y'all know I'm covered by the Lord. Yeah, y'all got to know. So my dad actually heard the door close and immediately went looking for me. So just to put this into perspective of how fast all of this happened I lived on exit 14 if you know anything about exits on the highway you know they skip numbers so by the time I got to exit 8 like the way it was was at the time it was exit 14 exit 11 exit 8 and so by the time I got to exit 8 my parents were calling him looking for me and I really sat next to him while he lied to my parents and said he didn't know where I was while he was driving me and I was in the passenger passenger seat. So after he got off the phone, he told me to turn my phone off so they couldn't track me. Like he was perfectly willing to take me away from my family. And to make a long story short, I've been covered and prayed over my whole life. So it took my family less than an hour to find me. Like, even within 45 minutes of me leaving my house, when I turned my phone on, I had family in Virginia and in New York and my neighbors all blowing up my phone looking for me. My neighbors at the time were already at Walmart down the street looking for me. Like, this was happened very, very quickly. And after all of this happened, I was, like, for real banned from talking to him. But I didn't listen. And I had a little burner phone. It, y'all know. If, you, if you're in that millennial Gen Z generation, you know burner phones you talk to people on wi-fi that's what i was doing and um 
in that, he did some wannabe noble thing and told my pastors that we were still talking. And so I got caught again. Um, but it wasn't some, it wasn't until sometime in December that I officially stopped talking to him. And I don't know what happened in between there, but that next year, um, I got a boyfriend, uh, a, a parent approved, very sweet, very kind boyfriend. And the only reason, like, I was really happy with him. The only reason we didn't work out is because I was really young and I was 17 at the time and I did not want to do a long distance relationships. He was moving to Florida. I was going to college. So we broke up right before I left for college and, you know, we moved on. But first semester of college hits, I was living on campus, free to do what I want. And the first thing I did was reconnect with old dude. And if I had any regrets in my life, it would probably be letting him come over that night. Um, Here's another trigger warning for you guys, just to remind you that, you know, there's going to be some sensitive topics discussed. Um, But after that night, we were, well, during that night, we were chatting it up with my roommates and her siblings, and we went into my room, and almost immediately, stuff started happening. Now, just to ease some suspense here, I did not have sex with him, but he started asking me to touch him in ways I had never touched a guy before. I had never done anything but kiss a guy before this night, so I was so uncomfortable, and he kept asking and asking, and I didn't want to. I kept saying, no, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to touch you. And it was, it was looking gross. Like I just, I didn't want to touch him. Um, the whole situation just disgusted me. And I was like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to do that. But he just kept saying like, oh, you should try it. You should try it. Now in hindsight, I always ask myself why I didn't keep saying no, but this is a man who groomed me and manipulated me and convinced me that he loved me and that our love was right and I I think I just didn't want to reject him like excuse my <laughs> getting emotional but I just didn't want to reject him and I was scared to say no to him so eventually I just gave in and in between every no that's enough that was followed by a hesitant yes, I gave a little more of myself than I wanted to. And I didn't, I didn't sleep that night, that whole entire night. I stayed up for 24 hours. I think it was a total of like 28 hours between that night and the next day. And once he was leaving, he convinced me that I would be fine and that I wouldn't get pregnant because that was a concern for me. I like he, there was no real sex happening that that night but that's just how immature and not ready I was to have that experience and I cried when he left and I called my aunt it was like I don't know two three in the morning called my aunt who was just a couple years older than me like she's been sort of a big sister figure in my life and I told her what happened and she was like well he sexually assaulted you and I was like no because eventually I said yes And I was just already confused as to what to classify that as. And so my dad found out, my biological dad in Virginia found out. um, 
And at about five, six in the morning, he texted me. He said, hey, if you don't tell your mom what happened, I would. And that was the last thing I needed. So that morning I had to go to church and my dad picked me up from church and drove me to church. And my mom was already there and I had already felt so disgusting. But as soon as I saw her at church, I just broke and we pulled away to go talk about it. And so... After I told her what happened, she reached out to him and asked asked about it. And to make matters worse, in an attempt to, you know, cover himself, he told my mom every little thing that happened that night. Like, nothing was sacred. And he told her the things he did to me and the things he asked me and how I responded. And then my mom gave me a choice. Did he sexually assault you or did you make a mistake? And um, they were ready to go to court if I said it was sexually sexual assault. And as I understood at the time, sexual assault was when you said no and they did it anyway. And that really wasn't what happened. And there was no known term that I knew for when you said no the first couple of times and was really hesitant in between but gave in anyway. Like there was no word for that. So I was stuck in this gray area and I didn't think the gray area would be validated in court. So I just said I made a mistake. And honestly, I don't think I've ever been the same since that day. I've had to deal with this way of not knowing if I was sexually assaulted. And if I wasn't sexually assaulted, why was it so daggone traumatic? I never went to therapy because I I, I didn't really talk about it. It was chalked up to a mistake, so I didn't bring it back up. I didn't go to therapy. I didn't discuss it further because I was embarrassed and for eight years I suppressed the hurt, the guilt, the shame, the everything from that situation. I just suppressed it and it's like my first sexual experience ever was by a man who manipulated me, pressured me and then left no part of that night sacred and I had no other safe choice but to chalk it up to a mistake. And I don't, I don't blame my mom. I don't blame my parents for any of that. I just wish everyone in the situation, including myself, knew better. I just wish we all knew better. But not too long after that, I left him alone for good. Um, he didn't go to my college, but he hung around my campus. So I think I saw him a few times after that. Um, He started making friends with my friends or tried to. It was odd, but the healing process from that situation has not been pretty, y'all. My first relationship, my first sexual experience all stemmed from this man. And every relationship that followed carried the residual of this relationship on my part. And I've been single for about a year and a half now and... I promised myself that I no longer have business with my past. So it's fitting that this is the eighth year, right? The year of new beginnings. Isn't it fitting that April is no longer going to be a memory of that time, but a time where I thank God for, you know, his redeeming power, for his grace. There's actually a a song called Potter and Friend by Dante Bo that, perfectly describes how I feel and it says 
you take broken things and make them beautiful you take broken things and make them whole again and i just feel i love that song because it just reminds me that god takes the broken things and makes them beautiful and makes them whole again you know there's a popular quote that says broken crayons still color and it's like that's 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 great but what's more powerful is god takes broken things and makes them whole again he makes them new and so um for the first year since then I feel like that situation doesn't have a hold on me anymore. The enemy tried to pervert so many things in my life from that situation, but I serve a God who takes broken things and makes them new. I serve a God who heals my family, a God who healed my heart, a God who has revamped my view on love and relationships and has been walking me through rewiring my brain on the creation of sex and what that's what how I should view that I serve a God who says he's doing a new thing a God who refines and renews my mind and a God who casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness and I'm so thankful that this is not a weight that I have to continue to carry so maybe someone who is listening whether you are male or female maybe you've been violated Maybe you've been sexually assaulted. Maybe your situation was way worse than mine, as many stories are. But I hope you know that you're not broken. I hope you know that you're not a waste. I hope you know that you are not disgusting or impure or worthless because of what happened to you. Maybe you're in a toxic relationship that's pulling you away from family and friends and a normal life. And I just have to ask if you're if you're so you're so determined to remain in that does it look like jesus does it reflect god's love and if not if you want a relationship that reflects god god's love and looks like jesus what's keeping you there and i and obviously i stayed i stayed over and over and over again so i know how it feels to be hard to leave because you believe something can work but if you don't believe that it looks like jesus and that it reflects God's love, then it's time to walk away. And my prayer is that if you've suppressed what you've experienced or you are experiencing, that you seek some help after this episode. Because I know sometimes it just takes, okay, I'm not alone, to feel like you can step out and get help. And maybe you're not ready for help. Maybe you're not ready for therapy because I honestly don't know if I am. But at least talk to someone. What happened to you is not your fault, but the steps that you take to heal are in your control. I know today's episode was heavy. And if you stuck through through it and you've listened to the end, I appreciate you. Um, Maybe you can't necessarily relate to this entirely, but maybe you know somebody who can. Please send it to them. If it's not for you, it's for somebody else. Um, like I said before, please follow journaled.podcast on Instagram for some updates. I promise you we'll have some lighter episodes. It's not going to be all heavy like this. Um, but I am really going to emphasize that my goal is to help facilitate healing. And if this podcast helps someone heal, I am 100% okay. So 
Thank you for listening and I will see you guys next week.